Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Yeah, it's really just good night. Uh, you are getting a late Saturday night episode. I wanted to get this out earlier, uh, but I did not because I suck. This was supposed to be Friday's show, but stuff came up. And yeah, so, but here we are. We're back. And I promise you, at some point, this will be a consistent uh, Monday through Friday show. Uh, I've had to switch my own personal schedule, get some stuff done. And I've needed some help. I'm not above asking for help. And there's things that I just am not very good at that I have needed my friends to come over and assist me with. So, that's, excuse me, that's where we're at. Um, my lights are a little better today. Uh, I'll be using even uh, using a newer camera next week. I'll actually, hopefully by the end of next week, I'll even have two cameras. Ooh, two cameras set up. The glow up. We're almost making it in this world. Um, but new audio program. Messing around with a new camera. Uh, just just a bunch of stuff going on and hoping that it looks really nice and you know professional and all those other words they want us to be um, so yeah welcome to an episode of hard foul is a sad night edition where we all float uh, I just saw it the other day if you listen to AM, which also came out uh, earlier today uh, really fun movie didn't actually feel like three hours uh, so yeah we're floating today we all fl I can't do any voice. I'm not going to try. Let's get into it, though. First thing we need to talk about is Sam Darnold in the New York Jets. So the Jets found out on Friday morning or Thursday night, uh, or was confirmed Thursday night, Friday morning, that Sam Darnold has mono. He is contagious. He has to be away from the team for a couple weeks, and then there's no guarantee he plays immediately after. Okay, we are in a very Twitter-heavy, first reaction, instant thought, don't put a lot behind it world. So we're just like, Sam Darnold is hurt, or Sam Darnold is sick. Sam Darnold must, it's, it's over for the Jets. I heard a couple people, just not sports people or sports radio hosts, but just people talking about in crossing that, Man, the Jets are going to suck again. It's over. You lose Sam Darnold for a couple weeks, you're going to be 0-4, 0-5, and the season's just over. Deep breath. Deep breath. I am a huge proprietor of hope. To me, if you're going to say the season is over, that means hope is over. That means there is nothing to look forward to the remainder of this season. I watched a Broncos team last year with Case Keenum. By about week 9, week 10, I was like, okay, yeah, it's over. There was no hope for the future on the roster. There was no hope for the playoffs. There was no hope even to see, besides uh, Bradley Chubb and uh, maybe Cortland Sutton as a rookie, I was like, I, it, was, it was over. All I basically saw was Von Miller and Chris Harris Jr. get a little bit older and another year of their primes, which was they, we failed them. Denver failed them. So, well, yes, it is a terrible thing that Sam Darnold, A, hope for his health, pray for his health, hope he gets better soon. I like Sam Darnold. I thought he should have been the first pick two years ago. Obviously, Baker went first, and we really won't know the answer to who was actually right until a couple years down the road. Um, who's to know if either of them are even still in the league at that point? But, as I said, we live in a very, right now, what's going on? First reaction, first comment, and we just make that our truths. 
So let's look at the teams whose seasons are truly over. And as I said, I define season over as either three steps. Either you have no shot at making the playoffs. There is no young pieces on your team. You get to see build. Or you are a combination of both in which you are just a dumpster fire. Something similar to how the Cleveland Browns have been the majority of the past my entire life as a football fan. So, with that, the Jets, season's not over. Sam Darnold will be back. Sam Darnold is your future. You have other young players that are going to be on this team that are going to be developing. You have a future. You have hope. Even if this year, you can say, oh, well, Brady's going to win the division again. Uh, which, speaking of that, it was a really funny bet. If you bet $40 on the Patriots to win the AFC East, it'll net you $0.65. Cents. But if you're like, oh, well, we're not going to win this year, who cares if you're not going to win this year? Your quarterback's in his second year. You're not going to be winning on any real consistent basis until the quarterback's third or fourth year, generally. There's the Russell Wilsons and Andrew Lux of the world who have been exceptions. Fine. But generally speaking, you're not winning until your quarterback's third or fourth year. So let's not put there. Teams whose seasons are over. Let's start with another team in their division, the Dolphins. The Dolphins' seasons, it's just over. It looked ugly in week one. It's getting uglier because Mika Fitzpatrick, who's only been on the team for a few years, is already requesting a trade It's gotten so bad. And you had to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, but wait. But wait, you just said, you just said, Josh Rosen, or you just said that a team with hope, a team with a young quarterback, a team with a young core, there's hope. Man, look, Josh Rosen was traded out of Arizona. There's game tape on him. And even though Miami traded for him and thought, oh, we got a, we got a real steal here. We could, we could build something around him. You brought him into an even worse environment, an even worse surrounding cast around him. And even with game film, you were like, hey, we need Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you at any point as a general manager, I've heard people say Matt Ryan is the, if you're above Matt Ryan, you're elite. If you're below Matt Ryan, you're below, you're, uh, you're not elite, right? He's like the gatekeeper to elite quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of like the gatekeeper to we're not going anywhere this season. If you have to call Ryan Fitzpatrick in, it's, it's gone bad. The Bengals is our next team whose season is over. And the Bengals are in that terrible spot of we've seen this story. They're marginal outside of maybe two or three positions. And those positions, wide receiver, defensive tackle, they're, they're not going to elevate the team enough. The Bengals are... You already know what's going to happen. The Bengals are going to be somewhere between six to nine wins. And you're, just, you're either losing in the first round of the playoffs or you're just not making the playoffs. And you're in just that very... I hate the whole... T if you're not going to be... In, if you're not going to be great, just suck as much as you can. But the Bengals just really need a bad year. The Bengals need a 2-14 year to just restart this, blow it up. You, you tried Andy Dalton. It gave you a few good years. You made the playoffs. You extended Marvin Lewis's career. It's But it's the Bengals, your season is over. We know where you're going. Last team in the AFC uh, is the Jaguars. And it's unfortunate because I think the Jaguars could have been good this year. 
with Nick Foles being out 10 weeks. Um, Nick Foles is not a young quarterback anymore, so you're not, you don't have the Jets' hope of, oh, once he comes back, we have something to look forward to. No, Nick Foles is gone. Your chances of being competitive are gone if he's not back until week 11, week 12, and who knows, he might not be back to playing good football until the end of the season, week 14, 15. Um, it's, it's a struggle, Jacksonville. You're, you had a chance, and unfortunately, due to injury, your season is over. In the NFC, I've only got one team. And even though this team won this week, actually, uh, being won on Thursday Night Football, the Buccaneers, your your season is over. Uh, Jameis Winston, who I liked a lot coming out of college, I don't know if I've given up on a quarterback faster than him. Uh, I just think the lows are really low. He's quite honestly like Orion Fitzpatrick. He's going to have three or four games that look like, oh my gosh, he can play. He's great. That's why he's the number one overall pick. And then he's going to run a streak of about five, six games of you You wouldn't even want to say that you drafted him that year. Um, it's rough. Uh, I'm sorry, Tampa. I know you guys just won, but you won against an injured Cam Newton. And yeah, Tampa is my fourth team and final team. For their season is over. Everywhere else you look in the NFL, and this is why I say we're in such a, oh, I need a first reaction. Oh, I need to say they're bad. Oh, I need to say they're great. Oh, they're either winning the Super Bowl or they should get the first pick in the draft. We just go straight to those extremes. And there's really not a lot of teams that are in that extreme. There's maybe two or three teams, Chiefs, Patriots, Eagles, who I could say it's Super Bowl or bust. And there's four teams I'd say, yeah, their season's over. They're not, they're not going anywhere this year, guys. Sorry. Moving on from the NFL to former NBA. There's been a lot of talk this week about Kobe Bryant. Now, a lot of the talk of Kobe post-retirement has been really just unfair criticism. I've never seen an example more so than Kobe Bryant where when you're great, no one will say anything to your face because they know you could knock them out, right? Like, he was just this prized fighter, and he kept beating people and punched them in the face. And when he finally got a little bit older, now people are, oh, I can, I can take some shots at him. You know, you would have never said anything to Mike Tyson uh, in his prime. You really shouldn't say anything to Mike Tyson now. Still a big dude. But you're dead. But you're definitely not speaking to him in his prime in a disrespectful way. Now you might be a little more like, oh, well, Mike's he's 50 or close to 50. I could take him. He's not as big anymore, not as fast. And this happened a lot with Kobe Bryant. But Kobe's gotten attention this week because he is the coach for a youth girls basketball team. I don't know the age group, uh, but it is a youth girls team. I know they have an age range. I don't know what the exact age range is. And Kobe posted uh, basically that he was displeased with a, his team having a fourth place finish. And the internet reacted. Kobe, how could you be so mean to those kids? How could you be? You're just too harsh on them. Fourth place is good. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. This is what the participation era has gotten us. I, I used to go, I, when I worked at the school, we would play games and I'm old school. If you play dodgeball and the ball hits you, you're out. Now, during breaks, we joined up with other schools. Okay? 
and different people in charge of this. I was in charge of my school, and there's other people in charge of their schools, and you have to work together with them. We're both on the same level here. I'm not trying to step on your shoes, not trying to step on mine. And one of them specifically, whenever they would play dodgeball, they would play a game that involved the kid getting out, they would just say, hey, do 10 jumping jacks, or hey, uh, turn around five times and you can come back in, or hey, sit down and someone will tell you. It's the participation era. There is, we don't want anyone to feel bad. Guys, it's okay to feel bad. Kids are super resilient. Kids are super resilient. You ever notice kids will fall on their face, scrape their knee, bleed, get hurt, trip, fall, all the whole the whole nine yards. And working at a school, if you don't have a crazy reaction, the kids don't react crazy. Are they hurt? Yeah. But when someone gets hurt, put a band-aid on it, you wash off, you keep on moving. It's okay to lose. It is okay for you to deal with, hey, not everybody's going to like me. I'm not always going to win. And accept that. I'm not always going to win. Not everybody's going to like me. And that's all Kobe's really doing. But we live in such a PC era, in such a participation era, that Kobe saying, I wasn't happy we got fourth place. And him being hard on it seemed like, hey, guys, we could have done better. When you go through elementary school and middle school, and trust me, someone who didn't have the best grades in the world, you could basically fail every single class. They'll keep moving you along because they don't want you to feel stupid because you left behind because they had to pull you back and keep you with the grade before or repeat the same grade. And everyone's like, yeah, that's right. We should do that. They're kids. They're emotionally fragile. Then you go to high school, and you start failing classes. And then you finally get told for the first time, about 15, 16 years old, hey, dude, if you don't take summer school, take extra classes, we're not giving you a diploma. What do you mean? I've always done this. I've always had bad grades, and they kept moving me up. You're telling me now life is going to change? You're telling me now I have to deal with this new, I have to deal with this brand new reality at 15, 16 years old? As a parent, as a teacher, as someone who is has a role of responsibility around children, it is okay to be tough on them sometimes. Your kid steals something, you reprimand them. Your kid does something wrong, you tell them why it is wrong, you reprimand them. It's okay. Child Protective Services became the boogeyman. And now people don't want to talk to kids. People don't want any kids to feel any kind of sad. We don't all be happy all the time. It's fine. Kobe's team, they weren't ready. Who knows? Maybe they were just messing around. And even Kobe came out and said, hey, this one girl, she really wasn't into it. She was more into her dance thing. And I was like, she's not allowed to have multiple hobbies? Yeah, she's allowed to have multiple hobbies. But because you have multiple hobbies and you split your time and how focused you are on something, don't be upset when the person who spent all their time on it is more into it. And then Kobe even posted a funny video of him dancing uh, earlier in his uh, when he was younger and said hey look I dance too guess what I wasn't as good as basketball when I was dancing it's okay guys you can be rough on kids you can be tough on the kids and it's Twitter it's Instagram you gotta love social media 
we excluded the picture where he did have them all smile because there is the effort part of academic or uh, the effort part of athletics. And that's fine. You want them to have effort, but you're not giving them first place for effort. Gosh, it's a joke. We'll complain about anything. Great show today. Um, no, it's not over. <laughs> yeah, just end it right there. Great show today, guys. How'd you, glad you guys all came along for 16 minutes, we're done. 14 minutes, we're done. No, uh, great show today. We're going to take a momentary break here. When we come back, I have some betting lines, and I'm really excited. Uh, I've got bets. You can go check out my Twitter. I have bets with Will and Tony. Uh, be sure to follow that. And we're going to have a fun time this season. Our betting lines when we come back. This is Hard Foul Radio. Welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to Hard Foul Radio. We appreciate all of you that are tuning in tonight. Uh, this is going to be fun. So I did this segment before um, where I was picking the games, picked five games before the season started. Or five games, sorry. Five games before the game started over the weekend. And this will normally be a Friday segment. It's a Saturday night segment today. Hopefully you guys have enough time to go out, pick some bets, uh, I'll be keeping track of how I did, and I will be accountable and let you guys know my record at the end of each week and what my total overall record is for the season. Uh, just to let you know, Tony and Will and I are betting. You can go see our bets on Twitter, and we right now I'm up $10 on Tony. I won the Chargers Colt bet from last week, uh, so go keep track of that, as well as uh, the five that I'll be doing. I used to base these around my cat. I called them Chowder's Choices because I love my cat. Now I have three animals, so we have three Chowder's Choices, one Neji's No-Brainer, and a fifth, which is Henny's Hopeful, um, and they're kind of self-explanatory. Henny's Hopeful, yes, we believe, but it's more of a long shot. Neji's No-Brainer, which is the pick that I am most confident about that week, and then three solid choices from Chowder. So let's get into it. Starting off with Chowder's Choices. Uh, Colts at Titans. The Titans are three-point favorites. I'm going with the Titans. I talked earlier this week about the Titans being the team that they're not pretty. They're not the social media star. You're not going to know a whole lot of players on the team outside of the first three or four. But the Titans are well-coached. They practice well. They play well. They are the team that is going to end up 9-10 wins, end up in the playoffs, or just right outside. No one's really paying attention to them. Don't take them for granted. The Colts, while I think it was a very valiant effort that they gave last week against San Diego, I think the combination of losing to San Diego realistically on just a talent-slash-quarterback basis, and then the first half that I believe the Titans are going to have just kind of push the point home that 
Indianapolis, you are missing Andrew Luck. I think it's going to deflate the team. Uh, Titans are really good. They're at home. Final score, 24-10. Titans take the Titans with the points. Second team, New England, 19.5 point favorites at Miami. Um, 19.5 point underdog for Miami is a lot. And we're taking Miami. Because uh, my grandfather used to say, take the stupid side of a stupid bet. Well, 19.5 is a really big number, and that's a stupid bet. And it'd be stupid to say the Dolphins do anything well in this game. Which is why we're going with the Dolphins. They just got embarrassed. There's guys ready to lead the team. But there is, it is still an NFL roster. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to have one of those three to four games a year where he looks like he's really a viable quarterback. Um, the Patriots, I believe there's going to be some funkiness in their offensive game, as smooth as they were last week. I think incorporating Antonio Brown is going to look a little bit different. And I just don't trust teams with a 19.5 point spread. That's a lot of points to cover. New England can come out and dominate the game when 24 to 10 or 27 to 10 and just completely dominate the game, and that's still not enough. Take Miami, take the points. Miami, 19.5. Third, Chowder's choice. Cardinals at Ravens. The Ravens are 13.5 point favorites. Uh, similar to the Dolphins and my in New England. Uh, the Ravens are going to score 59 points every week. Uh, Vegas always does. It's the team that comes out and looks amazing. They add a little spice to their point spread the next week. This is how it works. Uh, Vegas has done this for years. This is why they have more money than me or you. Um, the Cardinals, I think, started to get a lot of momentum towards the second half of that game against the Lions. Kyler Murray clearly had some nerves. Uh, I think even offensively, Cliff Kingsbury figured out, hey, there are some things that just aren't going to work because he's 5'10". I think the Cardinals come out and give a much better showing, especially early on. Uh, I think the Ravens get not jammed, but don't come out the same way. I think they were trying to prove a point against Miami and trying to, and they saw Miami's defense wasn't great, so they gave Lamar some extra umph and some extra, hey, we're going to do really well this week, give you a lot of confidence, so that way in the next week, I think the Ravens still win this game, but I've got it more low scoring, Ravens 24, Cardinals 14. I don't think the Cardinals have any chance of setting, but once again, I'm taking the big points, so take the Cardinals, given 13 and a half. Neji's no-brainer. So this is the pick that I feel the best about. And let's actually switch. Let's do that one last. Let's do Henny's hopeful. And Henny's hopeful, and this may or may not happen a lot this year. Uh, obviously, we're hopeful. We're all Bronco fans in this family, so we're very hopeful. Chicago is playing at Denver. Denver is, or I'm sorry, the Bears are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, take the Broncos. You get the two-and-a-half points, which really isn't much. Uh, but I think Denver comes out. They play better at home. In There was a drop pass in the end zone last week that could have been a touchdown, which would have gave more points. They did get some stuff going towards the end of the fourth quarter. I think the defensively better. Chicago does not do the quick pass game that Oakland does, which is literally Derek Carr just saying hike and throwing it. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, heavily more involved in this game. Um, not by much, but I'm going to take Joe Flacco over Mitch Trubisky. Uh, even just in the sake of arm talent, Joe Flacco has a better arm. Uh, both can be inconsistent at times. I think defensively, it's still going to be dominated by those teams. I think it is going to come down to field position and simply home field advantage. 
Denver's going to win this game. 2010, take Denver with the points. You can also see that same bet on Twitter with Tony and Will. So remind them, if they lose, they owe me money. And to end our segment here with betting, and please make sure you guys are all doing this responsibly, of course, Neji's no-brainer. What have we heard since the end of the NFC Championship game? Saints got robbed. They should have been in the Super Bowl. They're better than the Rams. Oh, my gosh. The refs just bleeped them. You know who's more tired of hearing that than anyone else in the NFL? Try the Rams. The Rams had best record all year, best offense all year in the NFC, had... Excuse me. Have in their mind better players. They've got the two-time defensive player of the year. They had the running back who led the league in touchdowns this year. They have all these things going for them. And in their mind, they're thinking, you guys really think just that one call makes you better than us? And this game's in LA. I think Sean McVay. I think Todd Gurley. I think jo- um excuse me. Uh Aaron Donald. I think Jared Goff, Robert Woods, I think they all come out excited, heated, passionate, and I think the Rams roll the Saints. And I think they send a very early season message that we're still better than you. I don't care about the penalty call or any of that. Saints, Rams, 38-17. Rams, Rams are three-point favorites. Take the points. You're golden. So once again, recapping, Colts, Titans, take Titans with the points, New England, Miami, Miami with the points, Cardinals, Ravens, Cardinals points. Uh, those are Chowder's choices. And he's hopeful. Denver over Chicago. Denver, Denver's got a two-and-a-half point cushion. Take that. And Saints at Rams, take the Rams, minus three. I love talking spreads. Tony and Will and I were actually talking about it. We just love talking about the spreads. It's really fun. As long as you are very, as long as you're not irresponsible with your money, there's a lot of fun that can be handed gambling, even just breaking down, breaking it down each week. Um, I will be putting money on each of my picks. Uh, I'm starting off putting a small amount of money. Sorry, guys, I'm not made of money. The more, the better this does, the more money I will put into these just to kind of, you know, back up what I'm saying. Um, have some skin in the game, as they would say. Uh, some more NFL stuff here. Who's been, in your mind, the worst fans growing up? Just take take, take, take a second to think about that. Who's been the worst fans? Sports media has taught us the Cowboy fans are the worst fans of all time. We as a people have all decided we hate Patriot fans. Well, why? Well, we hate Patriot fans because the Patriots do better than our team every year. And so we're like, well, I can't say F you to Tom Brady. So I'm going to say F you to the guy who roots for Tom Brady. Can't say F you to Bill Belichick. I'm going to say F you to the girl who's rooting for Bill Belichick's team. Then there's the Cowboy fans who, aside of a few outliers, they're, they're kind of calm. They're not really, I mean, growing up when I did and probably a lot of you listening, Cowboy fans post the 90s really haven't, they've been pretty quiet. 2000 and, and on, they, they've been pretty quiet. One or two years they've been kind of loud, but other than that, relatively quiet. But I was talking to 
uh, excuse me, one of my older uncles, and he was discussing how in the 90s, oh, Cowboy fans were miserable. They had the couple Super Bowls, they had Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and they just didn't shut up. And the players are trash talkers. He said if the players had Twitter in the 90s, the Cowboys players would have been all over it. They'd have been on it every single day, talking trash, talking smack, all you can, all everything that you could say. And so I thought about it in my head, and I was t- I was trying to compare. Okay, well, there's the Patriots fans and the Cowboys fans. We just don't like the Patriots fans because they're winning, and then we don't like Cowboy fans because we're told not to. What if the Cowboy fans start winning again? Hmm. Is that worse than the Patriot fans? Let's be even more realistic here. What happens when Dallas starts winning more? Are we aware that Dallas, if Dak Prescott does what I believe he will do, which is take the Tom Brady contract, excuse me, are we aware of how good Dallas is going to be the next five to six years? Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Prescott, three really good offensive linemen, even if they're not as all pro as they were a couple years ago. Defensively, Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh, Byron Jones. Uh, um, um, guys, get worried. The Cowboys are the only other team in the league that. Their quarterback has shown a has shown signs of this. There is other teams in the league. Yes, if their quarterback took a pay cut, then you could say, "Oh, they'd be amazing." But we don't have signs of that happening. With Dak, we kind of do, because they are going to get the Amari deal worked out. They just got Zeke worked out. They gave Jalen Smith his money already, and some of that has to be with consideration of well, what are we going to do with Dak. And I believe the conversations already happened between Jerry Jones and Dak, saying, "Hey." I'm going to get you 9, 10 other Pro Bowl, all Pro level players on the team, couple on offense, couple on defense, if you want to take the 15 to $20 million a year. I think they've already had that conversation. I think they've already agreed on it. And that's where the Cowboys have been able to move pretty aggressively in free agency as far as re-signing their own guys. Guys, watch out. The Cowboys are... Because Dak, even if I don't think he's going to be what he is on Sunday every single day, but if he's 60% completion, he's got weapons, low turnover, can run still, I don't think we're ready for that Cowboys team. I don't think we're ready for those Cowboy fans. It's going to be some dark times in the league, man. Whew. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday night. We'll be back momentarily. This is Hard File Radio.
You are listening to Hard Foul. Hope you are enjoying yourself on this wonderful Friday. We are entering into personal hour. Once again, if you are someone that does not like personal hour, too bad. This is the time of my show where I sit there and I discuss what's going on with the Broncos, Pelicans, and I will also, as some more baseball stuff starts to kick off, um, I will get into Rockies and Rays. Um, the idea of what's happening with the Rockies is interesting to me right now. I don't love it, but I'm not going to jump over man overboard yet uh, just because we've lost, you know, Adam Odovino and DJ LeMahieu. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Hard Fire Radio. We have one last segment here that I want to get into, and it is something that only I would understand. Hopefully you're starting to understand, too. Um, so let's get into it. Okay. Something only I would understand for today, Saturday, December 14th. 2019. So Stephen A. Smith went on and did the Breakfast Club interview on Thursday, I believe it was, and he was talking about Carmelo Anthony. And he was talking about how Carmelo Anthony was released at the 10th game of the season because analytics guys, they judge everything in 10 game increments. And so if you don't meet the standard for those 10 games and you're not too big of a contract so the math works out to cut you or trade you, they're like, all right, I'm off him. I can't think of a stupider thing to do. I'm going to offend a lot of analytics people. The math don't matter. It, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. The math doesn't matter. Let me be clear here. Yes, there is something to stats. There is something to analytics because there is something to having more information, giving you different chances and giving you more chances. Better is the word I would not use. I don't believe it gives you better chances. All I've heard for the last six, five, six years in the NBA well, this Golden State team would absolutely crush the early 2000 Lakers, even with Shaq, because three is more than two. And we're just all about numbers. You think guys didn't try to shoot threes and get Shaq and Kobe out the game in the early 2000s? You think Reggie Miller wasn't trying to shoot threes and get and beat them in the NBA Finals? Okay. All right, I guess. You know, you're right. You're right. Clearly, this team was just... Anyway, that's not the point here. Stats are different. Give you different and more choices, not better choices. If you've ever read any manga or watched any anime, we're always given a power source of sorts. I could go Yu Yu Show and it's spirit energy. I could go Naruto where it's chakra. I could go Dragon Ball Z where it's key. Um, take your choice. Take your choice. Right? If you want to get quite literal, uh, Gundam was how much of your big robot you had left. That's how I feel about stats in the NBA and how I feel about analytics in the NBA. Because just like in anime and manga where that power source gets tweaked or misused or we just forget that it's there and break all the rules about it anyway, 
That's what happens in the NBA. Carmelo Anthony can score from anywhere on the court. That's not in analytics. Analytics don't tell you that he is viable from the post, viable from the foul line, viable from the three-point line. I'm saying viable. Don't kill me on I understand he's not Steph or Clay from the three-point line, but viable from the three-point line. Carmelo Anthony could score 15 to 20 points a night, even if he's just a bench player. Let's say it's 10 to 15 if you're only, you only want to play him 15 minutes a night, 16 minutes a night. Carmelo Anthony is not judged by the analytics or by his stats. No player should truly be judged by his analytics or his stats. And especially over a 10-game sequence? What if I only gave an anime character 10 episodes to get better? A lot of trouble, right? Mello is, excuse me, still one of the most high-end players in the league as far as offensively, given the chances. And that's with a decline. I, I acknowledge the decline. He is not the Carmelo Anthony we saw in 0405. He is not the Carmelo Anthony we saw in 2010, 2009-2010 with those Nuggets seasons. He is not even the 2012-2013 Mello that was with the Knicks. He's not. That's fine. That Mello was an MVP-level player who could get you 30 a night. But the idea that because of analytics and 10 games, that Mello is still not good from post, good from mid-range, good from three-point land? We're just completely giving up on him because analytics said to do so after 10 games? Do you know how bad Yusuke Urameshi was after 10 episodes? Do you know how bad Naruto was after 10 episodes? You know, I think it's funny. Because all the analytics guys, it's... And I don't mean to offend here, but if it comes off offensive, it's probably true. Math is one of the subjects that we're told our whole lives. You're going to always need to know this. You need to know math. It's right there. Math, English, boom. Those are the two big ones. If you go to a college, they make you take an assessment test strictly for math and English. And yet, like, 90% of jobs don't require you to really have more than a, literally just to be able to count. If you can add, subtract, sorry, count, and then do the four, add, subtract, multiply. If you can do that, that's 90% of jobs. Not, I work on QuickBooks every day. As long as I can add, subtract, multiply, divide, it takes care of everything else. I literally don't even have to know how to do those things. It's just a nice double-check confirmation in my head. And I'm pretty decent with numbers. But most jobs, numbers really don't matter. But they matter to the analytics guys who are trying to prove a point that our numbers are bigger than the game. You know what's never mattered Efficiency has never mattered in the league outside of some centers until this new era of the league because we have the math guys. And efficiency and these stats and these um, advanced saber metrics are really only important to them and has turned some marginalized players 
into above average players because they're like, oh, well, he hits three pointers at a 38% and he plays defense at uh, a 1.4 better than his counterpart. No, he is still just a marginal player. He can still bear the fundamentals of the game of basketball, he is still below average at. And let's also nip this in the bud here, too, with this is the, the biggest reason why I don't care for any of these math things. Because it's similar to in an anime or a manga when the power source, uh, I call them shonen moments, when, you know, friendship or the will to win just overpowers you and you get super strong you start doing all these crazy things. In the NBA, the equivalent to that is how defense has deteriorated. I've had to listen to the last five years about how efficient LeBron James is. Oh my gosh, how can he be this efficient at year 15, year 14? Do you see the way guys play defense? Do you see the way LeBron James plays defense? And I don't want to go strictly at him. But if you see the way guys play... James Harden was just talking the other day. Oh my gosh, once again, math guy. The numbers I put up were historic. Giannis had a good season. Man, I put up historic numbers. Of course you did. Nobody cares to play defense, and the couple guys who tried to play defense on you all got called for fouls. I get it. It's almost like all the math guys in the league were, remember when you were in class and your teacher would give you the, it'd be usually early on, they'd give you a math worksheet and it was just a whole bunch of problems, right? If you were learning multiplication, give you a whole bunch of multiplication problems. Learning division, a whole bunch of division problems. And they would say, hey, Excuse me. They say, hey, do them all. You got five minutes, three minutes, whatever your time was. Whatever could do them fast. And there's always those couple kids who are just like, we're done fast. Just paper, just like, they were done. That's what this feels like. It's like the race to see who can do more numbers and more problems and who can do it faster than the other guy. And let me tell you, whatever the name of your math teacher was that told you you were going to use this the rest of your life, and you that apparently drilled into your head, and you're like, oh, I got math the rest of my life, it don't mean nothing. You don't use math for 90% of the jobs that you have. Mellow, take the math out, is still better than 90% of the NBA. Efficiency, these just unneeded and unnecessary sabermetrics or advanced analytics don't matter. It doesn't matter. Yusuke ran out of spirit energy and the will to live kept him going. Mello could suck at advanced... Uh, um, I keep getting one to say sabermetrics and analytics. Sabermetrics more used for baseball. But the sabermetrics or the advanced analytics... Don't stop Melo from shooting a mid-range jump shot and being real good at it. I don't know, man. Melo needs to be in the league. I guess that's really where all I'm going. Um, once again, as always, thank you for those that have tuned in another episode of Hardfall Radio. I appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, I think I already said Instagram, but I'll say Instagram again. Uh, we're on wherever you are listening to podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, uh, just check us out. I appreciate the support. Don't forget to check out ep- the new episode of AM that dropped. Uh, no Films Meetings coming this week. Another episode. Uh, I believe another episode of No Films Boxing. Hard File Radio. New and improved. will be on next week as well. 
Appreciate all of you. Love all you. Stay safe. Have a good one.